And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the Hump Day edition of The Real Investment Show. Of course, Danny Ratliff joining me this morning. We're going to be talking about some of the latest money moves by Susie Orman. Just let that percolate with you for a minute. Kind of like a hot cup of coffee this early in the morning. <laughs> uh, actually, this morning, so I, I've discovered something new in my house, which is my wife drinks a cup of sleepy time tea just before bed, right? So it's just tea to make you sleep a little bit better. Um, and then she combines that with a dose of Jack Daniels and NyQuil. But uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but I discovered last night that you don't let her put the coffee pot on after she drinks her tea because somehow the coffee pot didn't make it all the way into the coffee maker. So this morning I'm cleaning up, you know, <laughs> coffee all over the all over the floor this morning at uh, 3.30 in the morning. Not the best way to start your mornings, but uh, anyway, yeah. So <laughs> it's just those little things, right? It's, it could be worse, could be worse. Anyway, uh, market really didn't do a whole lot yesterday. A lot of chopping around uh, overall and, and really just starting to really kind of, you know, kind of just kind of struggle here a bit. And again, we've kind of talked about this before. You know, markets are very overbought on a short-term basis. And, you know, that's just going to limit upside here near term. We're going to talk, we're going to kind of go through all the markets this morning, just kind of look at what's been happening with money over the last couple of years in particular uh, in a variety of markets, just to, you know, kind of see where, you know, things are working and not working, but we'll go through those this morning in our uh, morning market update. Um, but overall, you know, we're now moving further into the month of February here and, you know, economic data has been good. And, and I thought it's interesting because if you take a look at the economic data on the headline, right, and you just look at, you know, what, you know, what does the, these headlines numbers say, right? So, you know, uh, good um, uh, unemployment, very low employment, jobs high, you know, it's, it seems to be everything is doing just fine. But yet, and again, we, we've talked about this real dichotomy between these numbers that we get from the government and then what we know is kind of really kind of boots on the ground uh, of what's happening in the rest of the economy. Consumer delinquencies on credit cards are rising pretty sharply. We're now moving up into areas that we haven't seen since 2008. Now, I'm not saying a financial crisis is coming, so don't go jump off a cliff. But I'm just saying we haven't seen this high of a level of credit card delinquencies, and particularly for 18 to 30-year-olds. Uh, 30 it's it's, a, it's a, a much bigger jump in that area. Not surprising. They have more debt and less revenue coming in terms of income because they haven't matured in their jobs yet. But we're seeing a very big increase, not only just in credit card loans, but also auto loans. So what's that telling us, of course, is that if they're becoming delinquent on these debts, that means they're running out of money. And this certainly doesn't bode well for a booming, strong economic economy. At the same time, we have a very rapid drop in the number of workers that were actually have working in the workforce, right? So our, our, you know, if you take a look at labor force participation rates, those are you know, low relative to where they were back, say, in the 90s. And so we've got a less, of, you know, there's, there's basically 100 million people that don't 
show up in our labor force participation. They're, they're out there somewhere, right? And, and we make the excuse, well, they're retired or they're at home taking care of kids or whatever it is. They're students. It's 100 million. It's a third of the economy. So, you know, it's, it's, it certainly suggests that underneath the surface that things aren't as robust as they may see them headlines. And of course, this is why you see so much angst about this upcoming election. And, you know, it's this kind of this need for change is, is really kind of starting to percolate, you know, kind of through the headlines is that more and more people are wanting something different. They need something better because what, what they have is not working for them. And so they're looking for a different opportunity. But again, you know, when you step outside of, of that and kind of just focus on the stock market, sitting here right at all-time highs, and you know, talk, we're talking about hitting 5,000 on the index just you know, in the next few days, everything seems to be okay on the surface. But again, as we've talked about before, that's a very small percentage of the population that actually participates in the markets. The rest of the economies not doing so great. So, you know, we're, we'll see how this plays out for the rest of this year, but watch delinquencies because delinquencies are a good leading indicator of economic activity because obviously consumers make up 70% of the economy. Now, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean a recession tomorrow. It doesn't mean market's about to fall apart. Doesn't mean anything, but it's worth paying attention to. It's just a very different message than what we're getting kind of from these headline economic numbers. So, all right, but real quick, um, before Danny joins us this morning, um, let's go through some markets. I, I thought this was kind of interesting because we see a lot of, of data coming out. It's like, oh, valuations are cheap in international markets. Valuations are so cheap in emerging markets. Or, you know, the, the valuations in small cap, mid caps, relative large caps, so cheap. Maybe, but, you know, where's been performance? So let's look back over the last three years, right? So let's go back three years. And look at what markets have done over the last three years. So this is the S&P going back for three years. It's hitting all-time highs, right? So, you know, we've recovered. We had a peak back in, in 2022, went through 22, 23, have now recovered all that. So we spent about two years going nowhere. But, you know, it's actually performing better, again, overbought a lot of things. But, you know, if you, you know, real performance, of course, has been in the NASDAQ because the NASDAQ is what's been driven by all these technology stocks. Obviously, a much bigger advance to new highs coming out of that decline that it had back in 2022. But again, making money here. So again, over the last two years, the S&P and the NASDAQ, you've made some money on a buy and hold basis. Not a lot, but you've made some on a buy and hold basis. This is where it starts to get interesting because once we start looking at, say, the small cap, mid cap index, the Russell 2000, here was your peak in January of 2022. This index is still in a bear market. So again, has not done anything on that small and mid cap basis. Does it mean it never will again? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. But if, if you've been invested in small mid cap stocks, you've drastically underperformed that of the S&P and the NASDAQ. And we can actually drill down. You take a look at uh, emerging markets, right? So this is an industrialized emerging markets. Uh, sorry, industrialized international markets. My apologies. Um, not as bad as small, small cap mid cap. Has recovered somewhat but still below the 2022 high. So you're still have not made money in international stocks over the last really three years. Same thing for emerging markets, actually probably the worst performing of all these indexes. Over the last three years, you were in a deep, deep bear market in emerging markets. Absolutely been a horrible place to be owning international emerging market stocks. 
So again, when we start looking at you know the bulk of this, you know, just look at pure small cap stocks. This is a small cap 600 index. Again, not really making a lot of progress in the small cap areas. So you know, and and this is this has been some of the the issues about performance. Here's gold as an example. Gold's actually holding up here, uh, but it hasn't really done much over the last three years, right? So you haven't really made money, haven't really lost money, but you know, gold as a, as a commodity has not been really tracking on a performance basis. So here's, here's the thing about this. Look, we look at the earnings. We've talked about this earnings issue that's going on right now. And if you take a look at earnings, earnings are being driven by one sector of the entire market. This was part of our analysis that we went through yesterday here on the show, showing the big bifurcation between NASDAQ stocks and every other index and market that is available. So again, when we start looking at these long-term correlations, they're not holding up. And more importantly, as an investor, if you're trying to run, I got an email yesterday saying, I'm looking to build a diversified portfolio of all these different you know, type of markets. That hasn't worked. And you know, this is one of those markets that we're in where there's a very narrow group of stocks that are making money, the vast majority are not, and that makes it really challenging to manage the portfolio. So anyway, that's what you need to know before the bell this morning. When we come back, we'll pick up with Danny Ratliff and what Susie Orman is saying for you to do with your money now. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Nothing sinks a marriage quicker than money issues. This Valentine's Day, promise you'll respect your lover's credit. Communicate about your money. And share together our first candid coffee for 2024. Five money habits of unhappy couples. Saturday, February 24th. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will have money tips to help revive your financial harmony. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Five money habits of unhappy couples. Candid coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Danny sent me over this uh, link this morning. I'm surprised he's here. He was hanging out at the bar with Larry Fink last night. I was not at the bar. <laughs> and I was out of there at 8. <laughs> That's late for me. That's late for me. <laughs> you remember the days when you used to go out and party till like 2 or 3 in the morning? You'd get up and go to work the next day. It was like no big deal. Yeah, like 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're getting up at that time. I know. <laughs> you know my, my, my whole day is like, man, I can't wait to get to eight. <laughs> Just so I go to bed. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, um, so what's, what's Susie Orman got to tell me now that is the smartest? Because, I mean, nothing she ever says is right. So look, I, I got to know this one. What's the smartest money move I can make right now? And it means I can get a guaranteed earnings of 5%. This, is, this has got to be... Great. It's earth. It's earth shattering. It's earth shattering. I am sure. Well, you know, it, it's we're seeing more and more of this, especially with the thoughts that the Fed is going to reduce rates here at some point this year. And so, mm -hmm. obviously, this is no new news to probably most of you guys out there. But go buy a one to two year CD. It, okay. It's exactly what she's telling people. So I've made three percent in January, just being in the market. Yeah. Actually, four percent being in the S and P. If I just bought the S and P, I'd be up four percent. That's 
a 48% annualized return versus 5% of the CD. Why well, would I do that? That's assuming that it, that that's going to continue, right? I mean, we did let, 12. Well, okay. But we did 22% last year. Well, in the S&P. Yeah. But most people didn't, didn't achieve well, that. Well, I know that. And, and I think that that's so, so it's interesting. You know, you mentioned right. Larry Fink. So had dinner last night with a small group of people and, and Larry Fink and some of his board was there and really interesting, just kind of shedding light on like, you know, big picture items and things like this. And that was actually a topic they brought up that, you know, and, and you and I have had these conversations. You've written about this vigorously about money on the sidelines. Right, right. And, you know, his concern, he says, listen, I don't think people are moving from, if you get 5% in cash right now, there's so many things out there that people are concerned with. He's like, I don't see this mass inf inflow of funds towards the equity market. And he's like, it's not necessarily the, the inflow of it. It's just the momentum of people putting funds to work and buying things and pushing asset prices up. Because as you always note, there's there's a buyer, there's a seller. Right, right. So <laughs> somebody's going you know, from the sidelines to the market, but people are going from the market to the, the sidelines. sidelines. Right. So we've got to be cautious on on you know how that is probably articulated, I think. Right. And so... Well, it, here, here's my... And, and look, it's a great point, right? Yeah. But here, here's my thing about this. It's really bad advice. And here's why this is bad advice. So she puts out this article. Look, a lot of people follow her, right? Mm -hmm. She has a lot. She has a huge following, and, and uh, her following is way larger than mine. So I oh, really yeah. shouldn't. I shouldn't say anything. I should just shut up and do what she does. Uh, but the, the the my issue is is that you're telling people go go buy a one year CD at five percent. Okay, that's great. But what are you going to do after? Right? You get five percent for this year. Then the Fed Correct. cuts rates. Then what are you going to do? Because now your CD is going to renew at. 3%, 2%, 1%. You know, it's going to go back to zero very quickly. The CDs are going to go back to where they came from because that's a big benefit to the bank, right? They get your money for nothing and then they leverage it 10 times when they do fractional reserve fractional reserve banking, make business loans with it, they charge 5 or 6%, they capture the spread. So your CDs are going to go away very very quickly. And so unless you're locking in a 30-year CD, you know, your 5% is going to last for a year or two. But you can get that from a money market fund. No, that's right. And that was kind of our, our discussion last night is that, listen, this is going to be great until it's not. And rates will come down. Now, do they get back to the, the 0%? I don't know. Um, you know, I kind of think in, in their conversation last night was like, hey, maybe it gets stuck around three, yeah. which is something we've, we've, we've talked, talked about, about that. Um, which I could see that that could happen. So, but regardless, you'll see rates at much lower prices. So the key here would be is that if you took this advice, which I don't think is bad advice, but it's not an all or nothing. This needs to be for, you know, if you have short-term funds, obviously you want to keep funds that you need liquid, liquid. But if you say, hey, I've got something I've, that I'm saving for for the next year, I'm saving up for a home or a new vehicle, mm -hmm. and it's not going to be, it's going to be a year or two before I need these funds. Great. I think that's fantastic. Yep. Now, if you want to play the longer end of this, I think even better because there's there's where your opportunity is going to be for actually locking in yield plus potential growth aspect to this, but you've got to be willing to do so and kind of know your risk tolerance overall. Right. And I think that's well, where. Yeah, and I think I think that's the brilliant part. Of it. So you, you, of what you just said, which is really important. You know, we talk about um, you know having emergency funds and having you know a, you know these type of you know savings program so hey you want to i got lots of emails from people like oh i'm trying to you know save up for a house so i want to take all my money and stick it in the market no <laughs> because if you if you put the money you're going to use for a down payment on the house and the market goes down 20 percent now you're now you're really screwed because you're not going to get your house take that money put it into a five percent cd that's great right if you're saving up to buy a car put that money in the cd awesome 
right? Anything that has a fixed finite date to it that's less than five years, put it in a CD because you can't afford the risk. And again, you know, if you lose, if you're trying to save it for something important, pay for your kid's college, whatever it is, right? And the market tanks <laughs> 20 or 30%, 40%, which can happen, I'm not saying it will, but it can happen. It can really mess up your finances. Oh, it can. You know, it, that's a conversation we have frequently, especially with people trying to make up uh, for lost time. The, you know, trying to get more aggressive and not having understanding the time frame nor the risk that's there. In fact, it's funny. You know, we talk about finances regularly in our household, and Michelle has a little, a small business, and she's been saving money. And she said, "Hey, you know, I've got, I've got X amount of money here, and uh, I'm really excited for you to start investing it." And I was like, "Well, hold on, what's that money for?" And we kind of went down that that path, mm -hmm. and so I explained the same thing to her, and she's extremely conservative by nature, but um, she's like, "I'm really excited about this." I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hang tight," and you know, explaining that. Well, okay, what if it goes up by 10, 15 percent? Is that life changing? She's like, "Well, going through our our, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny." So going through what we're going through, if you follow along a little bit, our, oh, yeah, our I forgot, house I forgot flooded. To, I forgot to get the house update. Yeah, our house <laughs> flooded. There's no update. Nothing has changed. We're we're in limbo, waiting. We're playing the waiting game. But she did say she goes, "Nope," but it gets me nicer bar stools. <laughs> I said, "Fair enough." Um, but I said, well, "What if it goes down by 10 percent?" And she's like, "Well, that's true." I was like, "You'd be pretty upset about that." She's like, "Yep." Yeah. So I said, well, this is short-term money, so short-term money needs to be addressed as such. Either you know, find that money market that's paying 5%, which is what she has, or you go and you know, lock it in if it is something that's going to be a little bit longer. And we could probably lock in for a year CD because I'm not real sure this is going to happen real quick yep. uh, with, with funds we may need here. <laughs> but that's, that's to the point is that you need to know exactly what these funds are for and stagger this out. You know, Planning for this needs to be done um, and not just you know, taking advice like this on a whim and just saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to go put everything in a one-year CD or two-year CD and be done because I think you will you will regret it over time, especially if it's a longer-term or a shorter-term type of, you know, issue. Yeah. And the, you know, <laughs> I don't know how it goes when, when you're budgeting, you know, talking budgets in your house. My conversations go, well, honey, we're going to have to start cutting all I hear is la, 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 la. <laughs> She's, as soon as I say cut, she's like, yeah, I can't hear you. She's great. You know, she keeps her own budget. She showed me last night, you know, here, here's what I spent this last month. And um, I was like, that's great. Um, I appreciate it. And she's looking to where she can cut. And I'm like, I don't know where you can cut, but great. <laughs> Good More job. power to you. Uh, too funny. All right. Um, but I mean, look, uh, see, I think CDs are, are a great idea. And, uh, you know, again, we've talked about before is, you know, back in 2000 is a good example. Markets are rocketing higher. We're at all-time highs. And eight, uh, CDs at that point were paying 8%, believe it or not, back then. You get an 8% CD. And couldn't sell them, right? Could not sell a client on an 8% CD. Why? Because the market's making 10 15% every year. I mean, we're just, you know, just yeah. rolling up. And it's like, why would I get an 8% CD? The market's just going up. Of course, that five-year CD at 8% paid off gangbusters, over the next you know three four years, as the market went through the dot com crash, same thing back in two thousand seven two thousand eight. Uh, oh, you couldn't get eight percent CDs back then, but CDs paid well. So you know if if you know if you're banking on, and Danny made a great point, right? Marketed twenty two percent last year. We're up four percent already this year. This isn't going to last forever, right? We're gonna no. have a period like we had in twenty twenty two. I know you've already forgotten about twenty twenty two where the markets were down 19%, there are times that cash in a CD 
is great. And here's the other thing about investing. I was talking about, the, I did a, a podcast yesterday with a, a with a guy, and you know he was talking about investing in the markets and, and this type of thing. I was like, you got to remember that investing is about opportunity. And where we go wrong is, is that as investors, we start looking at the market and we just start chasing the market. Market's going higher, got to be in, got to be in. But that's not investing. Investing is finding stuff that is really undervalued or gives you a really good opportunity of where it should be trading at on a, on a fair price and that you buy that asset for that appreciation over time. But see, we don't we don't invest that way. And what a CD provides you a good opportunity to do is hold some cash and wait while you're waiting for that opportunity to show up, you're getting paid 5% on your money. I'm all good with that. Yeah. Now, I, I would be extremely cautious right now. Obviously, you want to make sure it's FDIC insured. Yeah. There's a lot of CDs out there. You know, we scour for them for clients as well and kind of look at what's out there. But, you know, what's going on with the regional banks that just happened, you know, what we've seen happening but, you know, it seems like it may have accelerated a little bit yesterday, right, well, some of the issues. So you want to make sure that, you know, understand the bank that you're putting the funds with, not that FDIC insurance is great, but what's the time frame for you to get your funds back if it is truly short-term needs? Mm -hmm. Typically, it's, it's not bad, right. but something I would be considering right now, not to say there's some big bank failure out there, but... You never know what may happen. Well, no, but it, you know it's interesting. We've talked about J.P. Morgan, and, and we've made the the Highlander comparison, which there can only be one. And every time somebody blows up, J.P. Morgan buys them. Yep. So in this midst of these small and regional banks getting shuttered down, and and regional and and small community banks in particular are in a lot of trouble right now financially within the markets because of their exposure to certain things, you know, flows, etc. J.P. Morgan has announced a plan today to aggressively expand their footprint of locations around the country. So think as, about that, as, everybody's as, shrinking, but they're growing. Yeah. It's going to be a Kinda nationalized like that BlackRock company you were hanging out with. It's going to be a night. nationalized deal. We're going to come back and talk about FAFO right after the break. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com <laughs> so just real just a quick story you're talking about your flooding so my wife you know is, is trying to get her house remodeled it's been a standstill ever since late december Yep. And like she drives so wait by. wait a second. Did you say her house? Her, of course it's her house. Let me, let me ask, where is your house? I don't know. Exactly. You don't have one. So she's been, you know, she drives by her house and checks on it, right? Yep. And there's been nothing done, right? They're waiting to pour, you know, it's like they have to pour the slab for the garage to build the garage, right? Like nothing's been done. And it's been like three or four weeks. So I've been emailing the, the, the contractor saying, hey, what's up? What's up? And he's not emailing me back. And so I'm, I, I emailed him about a week and a half ago. I said, I would advise you to give me an update as to what's going on because uh, I'm going to refer this to my wife and you don't want to know that when I do. And he didn't respond to me. So 
I unleashed my wife yesterday, and guess what? We had a response by the afternoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and everything is now back on track. It will be completed on time <laughs> by the deadline for her to move into her house. So, you know, F, it's FAFO, man. <laughs> don't don't make me unleash my wife on you. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to delay that as long as possible because we are dealing, you know, with the company that does kind of control, you know, what you're uh, going to get. And I'm like, uh-huh. ooh, we got to handle this yeah, a little I, bit I, more I, I gentle know. than I think what you're going to be doing. Uh, no, that's exactly me, right? I'm I'm like more flies with honey, right? Yeah. I'm like you know trying to be really nice, professional, all this, and you know, but I have this I have this armory behind me that just. <laughs> You know, it's a just one like woman scorched, armory, which it, is like a hundred like, men. It's like scorched earth, man. I'm yep. just like, whew. anyway. Nope. I'm, I'm right there with you. We're, yeah. we're dealing with trying to navigate that. And they, they promise they're going to have numbers to us today. Uh-huh. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. But yes. same. If, uh, <laughs> Un- if unle- we don't get something by the Kraken today, if you're listening, <laughs> be careful, bud. Uh, no. Don't mess. The, the 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 tale of this story or the moral of this story is is don't mess with a woman's home. That's that is sacred ground, right? Uh, most everything else she's really cool on. Don't mess with her house. Well, so I think I think Christina and Michelle are a lot. Yeah, they're a lot, a lot of ways in, the, in that they're both go getters. They want things done, mm-hmm. and um, this just lull of not being able to do anything is yep. killing her. Yeah. And the guy's like, you can't do anything on your own. You need to wait for me first. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's my house. I want to put it back together and argue with you later. I should be able to. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. All right. Let's get back to work here. We got stuff to do. Um, so we were talking about, um, you know, the, the this morning I was kind of hitting at some of the, these highlights that are kind of going on. We have this big divergence right now between, you know, the economic headlines and What's happening with the average consumer? We're talking about consumer delinquencies on credit cards rising pretty sharply here. We're seeing tech layoffs uh, starting to accelerate again. Quite a few companies are starting to uh, snap, just reported a big uh, plunge in revenue. So we'll probably see more, more layoffs from them. But, you know, we're seeing a lot more companies starting to lay off workers. And this is pro- if the economy begins to slow down more, we're probably going to see those layoffs spread to other companies as well. Just you know, right now we're seeing companies that kind of overstaffed a lot coming out of the pandemic, but a lot of companies ramped up hiring. And if things slow down enough, then you're going to get layoffs in other companies as well. Um, but, you know, dealing with a layoff is difficult because it, it comes out of the blue, right? I mean, you're, you're going to work every day. Everything is fine. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody says, uh, can you go down to HR's office real quick? They need to talk to you. <laughs> and you get this pink slip. Um, or you or how we do it in the financial industry is you walk in, there's a white box on your desk to <laughs> pack your stuff. There's no two weeks. There's, <laughs> yeah, no. there's no two weeks. It's just you're done today. Thank you. Um, but, you know, how, how, how should clients, you know, deal with that? I mean, what are some ways that advisors can work with clients to kind of ease that sting of the layoff? Yeah, I think that, you know, right now, obviously, you're seeing more and more of this. And so I think it is more timely that we do talk more about this. And so, there's a lot of really good advice out there. There's also some poor advice as well. So the biggest thing I think people can do is once you are laid off, create that checklist. You know, you need to create a to-do list. What do you need to get done and, and what is your time frame? And I think this is important that you do put some time constraints on this because number one, there are benefits that you could potentially lose out on. And so, you know, one thing that I think that people overlook, and I've seen some articles on this recently, and I haven't seen anybody touch on this is understand your health insurance. And especially if you're closer to 65 or you're 65 and older, 
you need to get a very good understanding as far as what you should be doing. Do you take COBRA for a while and then get on Medicare if you're under 65 or you're 64, about to be 65? Um, you need to make sure that you do switch from COBRA to Medicare because COBRA, while it does look like and feel like an extension of your employer plan, it is not considered a creditable plan for Medicare. So we have to be mindful of, of age and insurance. We need to understand what that looks like. If you have any uh, group life insurance, is it portable? A lot of the times it is. Most people won't tell you that. Um, you have to probably call HR and benefits, but that may be something, especially if you've since had something or you know an illness or been diagnosed with something, this could be a great way to continue to keep some life insurance at, you know, you're going to pay a little bit more than what you've been paying because it's not subsidized any longer, but could be really beneficial. And so I always encourage people to look at that. You know, I think that, um, you know, stock options, mm -hmm. a lot of times these options, they only have a, a 90 day window of when you, you have to exercise once you leave the company. So that may be something that a lot of people leave on the table. If you are an executive, you have those types of opportunities or those options that you've, you've accumulated over years as bonuses or whatever it may be. Make sure that you have a good, very good understanding on that. Work with somebody to help you um, either move or unwind those. You know, Take advantage of that. Don't leave any money on the table. We see that quite a bit. And so those are just some small things. Now, obviously, that's where these timelines come in, that you have to have an understanding of what you should be doing, how you do it, um, You know, especially going around you know, the health care benefits, mm -hmm. because there are time constraints. And if you're over 65, you have an eight-month window once you, you get off your plan. So you need to be cautious and aware of that. But those are some really easy, low-hanging fruit. I think that um, you know, understanding, do you keep funds there in your 401k? Do you roll them over? What other type of plans do you have? What type of accessibility do you have to them? You know, A lot of times you're encouraged to roll those funds over, but you may be able to make in-service distributions without a 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half. So you may want to actually keep those funds in the 401k versus rolling them to the IRA because you'll forfeit the ability to take earlier distributions without doing what we call a 72T. And at that point, there's, there's a whole lot of additional information surrounding that. And so don't just jump and move those funds without understanding, you know, how are you going to make ends meet? Do you have the emergency savings? Do you have funds readily available? Because if you're going to use the 401k funds to live on, you may not want to make that rollover, which is very counterintuitive to, I'm sure, what most of you guys have heard from financial advisors. We do, typically, most people will want to roll those over because of you know investment options, flexibility. If you go back to work, find another job, you have funds saved up, it shouldn't be a big deal. But if all of your assets are tied up in that 401k, which we know most people's retirement mm -hmm. funds or their wealth is in the home and in the 401k retirement funds. So understand how you're, you're going to make those ends meet and live. Um, you know, I think take making a budget, having those expenses, getting a very defined, um, you know, probably detailed list of what your expenses are and where can you cut? You know, right now is not a time to, to kind of keep things. Hey, we're going to keep things. Everything as normal unless you've just got a ton of money saved. Great. But that's not the average American. And so, you know, make sure you have a very good handle on the expenses. How can you make changes to help kind of soften that blow while you're looking for another job? Or maybe you're just going to retire and then, you know, it's it's no big deal then at that point either. But these are just some small tips that I think would help a lot of people um, because, you know, we are seeing more and more of layoffs. And I would suspect if we continue to see numbers and data like we're seeing right now, we'll probably see some more. 
That's right. Real quick, I, we've got a couple of minutes where we close out. You know, you were talking about you know rollovers and and that type of thing. One one area that we see rollovers for is of course retirement, and then so you've got your IRA now. You've rolled it over into your IRA. Now you're 72, 73, 75, 79, wherever they're going to raise RMD requirement ages to eventually. 73 now. Yep. <laughs> 73. Uh, so you've got to start taking RMDs. Uh, but what happens if you, you know, if something happens to you, like you becoming incapacitated for a couple of years or whatever? We know we've actually had some similar conversations with clients here recently in the sense of like, what should you, you know, what are some basic things you should do to set up for to protect yourself, protect a spouse? Um, you know, number one, making sure you have beneficiaries on your IRAs. But, you know, I think more importantly, if somebody becomes incapacitated and you can't make your RMDs, you want somebody to have some type of power of attorney to make those decisions on your behalf. So, you know, make sure you have somebody that can work on your behalf to still make those RMDs because if you don't, now, good news is it used to be a 50% penalty for the RMDs you did not take. So let's say your RMD is 10000 bucks. You didn't take it. You still have to take it, pay taxes on it, and pay a 50% penalty. So you've completely eroded and just thrown money away, giving it to the Uncle Sam, right? So we don't want you to do that. Now, they've changed that where it's 25%. Now, still if, stinks. if you make it up within the next year, it is only now a 6% penalty, uh, which is much better and still stinks there too. Yep. So having somebody and having all these things set up ahead of time. So number one, I would check with your advisor or your custodian, whoever houses your funds, make sure that you do have beneficiaries set up on there. Understand, you know, and it's something that I would update regularly. If somebody passes, do those funds actually go to their children? There's something called persterpes, which we talked about yesterday with somebody and they weren't aware of it. And, you know, they had somebody pass, a loved one had some funds and one of their beneficiaries had passed. Well, he didn't have persterpes, so it doesn't just go to their descendants. I think they have so, penicillin for that. It's kind of funny because he actually said, is that per herpes? I never heard of that. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. Hang on. But there, these are some things that, that are just housekeeping items. It have nothing to do with how you're investing your money, but everything to do with how you protect it, keep it, make sure you're not giving more to, to the government than you need to. So we talk a little bit more about that on the other side. Sure. Basic financial planning. All right. Be right back after the break. Don't go away. What's up with Young Brands? Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So real quick, just kind of finishing up on this uh, issue of becoming incapacitated, things to do. Look, this is, you know, part of if you have any money invested at all and have not taken the time to just do a basic will with some basic medical directives, do that. Um, it will save your family a tremendous amount of problems that will occur if you haven't taken care of just some basic necessities of financial planning. And again, you know, read, you, you can do a lot of this stuff online now. Uh, it doesn't have, if you have, if you don't have a lot of complicated, you know, LLCs and a bunch of other stuff, you can kind of do a basic will and basic medical directives online for a very low cost. Just have something in place so that if you do become incapacitated, uh, get hit by a bus, whatever, things happen, um, you know, that your family isn't stuck and then you're not giving up large chunks of your assets to the government because people can't act on your behalf. 
No, and I, I think that's right. I mean, we've been doing this for long enough that you've seen a lot of this, unfortunately. And, you know, you can go to Trust and Will. You can go to, uh, what's the other one, Legal Legal Zoom? Legal or, Zoom. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some easy places for you to take care of this. Now, I, I do prefer typically visiting with an attorney if you have something a little bit more complicated. And they do have attorneys on staff at a lot of these places. But somebody that's going to give you updates on a regular basis if you have a more sophisticated estate plan. And, and I do think that, you know, having something in place. You certainly need just basic will, power of attorney, uh, medical directives. I think that is going to cover the the basis, right? Mm-hmm. But you also need to make sure the beneficiaries are updated because a lot of people forget that beneficiaries supersede a will. And it's kind of funny. I, I visited with somebody um, the other day and they were saying how this attorney told them to take all the stuff off and just say that it's going to go to the will. And I thought, well, how crazy is that? And I was thinking in my head, I was like, this attorney's kind of sly. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get them to have to go back to him so he can probate it. Right. It's like, what a crock. Yes. So this guy, yeah, I'm like, no, no, hold on now. So wh- how are these funds going to go? Oh, they're going to go directly to the, kid- the kids. I said, well, then why would we have that just say, this is going to go to your will? Do you have anything specific in here? Let's look at this. You need to go back to that attorney and say, well, why would I not just put this mm-hmm. on? I mean, we're not attorneys, so I don't want to give legal advice. Why would we not just put beneficiaries because the beneficiaries you have on your account will supersede the will right so unless you have something within the will that creates a trust for the funds to pour over into then you probably just want to put them directly on there and save yourself some time money and energy and because you know if you do have those all you need you would need is a death certificate and then the the beneficiaries would get the funds versus having to go to the attorney them having to go to the court and probate which you may have to probate anyways but this gives people access to funds much quicker. And so we see little stuff like that. But also I see a lot of times that somebody, they say, oh, we need a trust. Why do you need a trust? And so you kind of talk through it. And a lot of times these attorneys will say, oh, yeah, you need one. Well, you may not technically need yeah. one. You need to understand why you would want to get one. And so just basic housekeeping, I think, can go a really long ways. And, you know, like we were saying earlier, everybody, I think, is so consumed with talking about the markets and what's going up and down and our concerns with it. And obviously, that's a big, big component of it. But, you know, we forget to take care of the housekeeping items, which are, you know, we should be able to check off and and do it relatively easily. And you made a good point, too, Lance, is that, um, you know, get this done. It does. I think people, sometimes they see the price tag on it's like, whoa, it'll cost you a heck of a lot more if you don't do it. Yeah, and, and, and we, we make it easy for you. If you go to our website, realinvestmentadvice.com, click on the investing tab, we've got a link right on our website for trust and wills. So you can click right through to them and start doing some of your basic kind of will will planning needs, right? So it, it's, it's a really easy process. They make it super easy for you as well. And if you need help, you know, don't hesitate to reach out and send us an email and I'll forward it to Danny and Danny will take care of you personally. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> he will. <laughs> Trust me, he will. Uh, so real, real quick here, uh, young brands. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's interesting, you know, Danny, because there's an article out in the Wall Street Journal this morning talking about why are Americans so down on a strong economy? And, you know, if, if this is this is from the Wall Street Journal. The broad reasons for America's dim outlook suggest that even further improvement in the economy might not be enough to lift the nation's mood in an election year that is shaping up as one of the biggest. Um, 
impediments for President Biden to win a second term. He's received little credit so far for an economy that has foiled predictions of recession and instead grew at 3.1% last year, far ahead of the pace. By some metrics, that improvement is starting to give way uh, to views of the economy. Consumer sentiments ticked up, employment remains strong, so forth and so on. So if the economy is doing so well, why are people so down on the economy? And I thought this was interesting because Yum! Brands, which is part of, you know, it's, it's, YUM is the symbol for the company. It was a spinoff from Pepsi a while back. But Yum! Brands is the company that owns Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. And by the way, Pizza Hut has now a new pizza offering out in three cities. It's called the Breakup, it's called the Breakup Pizza. This is for Valentine's Day? Yeah. So you send it to the person you want to break up with, and the box says goodbye on it, and you has a spot for your name. And so you can just send them a breakup pizza. Is it in the shape of like half a heart? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> but they, they, in three cities, they're offering a breakup pizza. So goodbye. There's your pizza. Uh, anyway, it was interesting in the report because on Wednesday, uh, Young Brands reported quarterly earnings and revenue that missed analyst expectations expectations as KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut all reported weaker than expected sales. And this goes back to what we are talking about earlier, Danny, about you know credit card delinquency rates going up. I just went and looked up. What is, so if you've got a family of four, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, you pick up a 16-piece bucket of chicken, right? It's $32 for the chicken. For a 16-piece bucket for of bucket. chicken. Okay. So just do it. Okay, so let's say that you're going to do – and again, remember, that's mostly you know legs and thighs and a couple of breasts, right? So you know a lot of dark meat, a little bit of white meat. Um, 12 pieces run $25. So you just think about the cost of eating out has gone up so much. And then, of course, this doesn't include now because everywhere you go, no matter what it is, somebody wants a 25% tip right on top of it, even though you did all the work of ordering and bussing your own table and and doing everything else, uh, the cost of eating out has just gotten so expensive. So I, I think it's inter- just kind of a, an anecdotal point is that, yeah, the economy seems really strong, but if you think about Yum! Brands, right? So that's Pizza Hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and Taco Bell. These are your kind of your lower rung fast food chains. You know, if, if you want to pay more and have better quality food, you go to Chipotle, right? Which... You know, as, as a higher end, that's twenty bucks a person. Yes, yeah, no, it's it's very expensive, right? But that's a higher end fast food. So that's what I'm saying. So if you just kind of look at, if you say, okay, well, the you know, where's the average American likely to go get fast food? It's going to be McDonald's, which just reported weaker than expected sales. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's going to be Taco Bell. It's going to be that that kind of that realm of 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 restaurants, fast food restaurants. And I just think it's interesting that they're all Starbucks. Right. Also reported weaker than expected sales, which now you're taking away people's caffeine addiction. <laughs> so if people are, are starting to shop less, I think that tells you more about the state of, you know, the you know, the average American and why they're so frustrated with the economy, because all these numbers sound great, but they're having a tougher time making ends meet. And now that's showing up in the earnings of these companies, which, by the way, these companies are missing estimates that were drastically lowered before they even reported estimates. So the, so the reality is, if we went back with the original estimates for Yum, this miss was much deeper than what's actually reported. Yeah, so so what do you think that's, I mean, obviously money, but I think that's... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a cost of living <laughs> going up a whole lot more than people's wages. 
Well, but is it also a maybe a product byproduct of the policies that are in place where, you know, we're seeing higher minimum wage? I mean, we always talked about how these jobs were intended for somebody to just get their feet wet. It'd be the first job that they have or, yeah. you know, you're, you're getting, um, you know, something for a short period of time. And then you work your way up and you work your way to management or you work your way further up the yeah. line. And but no, yeah, that's not when, that's when, not what's happening right. now. Right. Everybody just thinks that they're required a certain yeah, uh, no, when you raise minimum, when you, you force companies through political actions or whatever to raise minimum wages, uh, California, good example, right? 22 yeah. hour minimum wage. Restaurants are leaving California because they can't afford to operate there. Uh, a McDonald's franchise has now gone up a quarter million dollars in California to compensate for the $22 hour minimum wage. So people that may have been able to afford the 750000 for a franchise, now it's a million and a quarter for a franchise in California to compensate for those wages. So, yeah, you know, look, any action that you take that raises the cost of operating a business, that doesn't evaporate into thin air. It gets passed on to the consumer. Yeah, correct. Right. That's and that's and that's why even though well, that's why people are so upset. They're like, wait a second. Now I've got a hamburger that's fifteen bucks. Right. And that's why you know we see the, we see the inflation rate coming down because the cost of a hamburger a year ago was fifteen bucks. It's now fifteen bucks. Right. So there's no inflation, but it's still twice as much as it was five years ago. Right. Look, I remember growing up when I when growing up. I remember raising my kids. I could yep. take all four of my kids to McDonald's. This was a, a decade ago, and I could feed them all. Happy Meals for like 20 bucks. I could get out of there. It's, it's like 50 bucks now, right? So it's not, it, it's all those, all these things that we want to do that raises the cost of service has to be passed on to the consumer because that's how companies protect their profit margins, right? Yeah, but the problem is, is that we haven't seen wage growth in the other part of the demographic increase right. as much as what it we've well, seen for the lower end, right? Exactly. And then you get, you get anomalies to these wage growth statistics like, that says wages are going up, but really they're not because we're cutting the number of hours you're working. So that's a mathematical anomaly that says, oh, you're actually making more money because you're working less hours. No, you're working less hours. And if you're paid by the hour, guess what? You're making less money. That's right. So anyway, that wraps up the show for the day. Be back tomorrow with Michael Leibowitz. Um, we've had a lot of Fed speakers this week. A lot of, we got two more today. So we'll get with Mike tomorrow. What have they all been saying? What does it all mean? Um, and again, you know, this whole big debate between markets and the Fed on who's going to cut rates more. We'll see. Talk about that with Michael Leibowitz tomorrow, of course, on the show. Uh, have a great day. Get by the website. If you look, if you need trust, will, planning, et cetera, go to the realinvestmentadvice.com, click on the investing tab, and there's a link right on the homepage for trust and wills. Take care of that today. It's, it's good for you, like spinach. See you back here tomorrow.